UPN Wednesday, a stunning new Star Trek Enterprise. In the blink of an eye, Earth, their greatest fear... Destroyed. How could it have happened? We could have saved them. And who will pay? You are relieved of command. The Enterprise you must not miss. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and helping me remember the last 12 years of my life are... Dynamic Fail. Max. Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. We are excited to continue a series recapping episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel, as we have told you every single day for the last 10 years. And it really hurts my feelings that you don't remember. So today we're going to recap Enterprises Season 3, Episode 8, which is called Twilight. Why? Oh my gosh, I don't know how to speak. We encourage you. <laughs> we encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, because this helps us get word out there a little more. And also another thing that can help us be more known to your friends and your family and people around the world is to tell people about us. Um, you can also give us a star, five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because that kind of shows up on a number of different um, podcasting platforms. So that would be a great way to let people know about how awesome we are. <laughs> and as always, we do want to give you a spoiler warning here. We are going to be spoiling this episode as well as possibly other episodes of Star Trek. And I have to admit that uh, this week, not having seen uh, season three or four of Enterprise, mm -hmm. I actually spoiled myself yeah. on this one. <laughs> you done spoiled yourself, son. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and helping me remember... Wait, have I done Wait, this not, before? Notch, you've done this before. Listen. Our relationship sorry. has evolved since then, Notch, again, so it's very important that you stay true to yourself. Uh, welcome, listener, to A lot our of discussion just, like, threw their of phones the... Out the <laughs> Welcome, listener, to our discussion of the Enterprise episode Twilight. This is the eighth episode of the third season of Enterprise. I did first this already, fifth... too. I just I want to point, it's, this is another did thing you... I've also said. Yeah. Were you listening to anything that but He's going to give a little recap, so that'll kind of... Oh, okay. Oh, I, okay. I use... We have, see, dear listener, we have the title card in the note, and I typically like read, just read, read the, the title, title card. But it's going anyway, great. Uh, quality radio right anyway, now. it's from 5th November 2003, and it was written by Mike Sussman and directed by Tom Paris himself, mm -hmm. Robert Duncan McNeil. And the in universe date is anywhere between 2153 and 2164. Five. So we always start our episode recaps with our strange new takes. Hey, that's the name of this podcast. So, uh, dear co-host, do you have strange new takes for me? I do. Um, so my strange new take, and um, I'll throw a, a kind of a caveat in here too. You know, as I mentioned, I have not seen seasons three and four of Enterprise, so maybe I'm missing something here. But my strange new take is that. Uh, techno babble matters mm -hmm. in star trek and i think this is an element of star trek you know that sometimes gets uh, thrown under the bus a little bit but in this particular episode um you know as the as the episode is kind of getting going and they're talking about what's going on here and they simply say 
there are anomalies. They've just encountered anomalies, not subspace <laughs> anomalies, not uh, temporal anomalies. anomalies. I, I kind of caught myself and I was like, oh man, this does not sound right. I need some techno babble to give me a little bit of context the here. What about the tachyon beams though, Max? We what need tachyon beams. Yeah, we need all that kind of stuff. And so I, I found myself really missing that uh, at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, just, just I'll answer your question right now. There's something I didn't notice actually. So the beginning of season three, when they go into the expanse, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, they start encountering these random anomalies that exist within the expanse. And so by this episode, it's just become like the anomalies that are in the expanse uh, are called okay, okay. the anomalies. So yeah. like, well, so it's, it's like techno babbled it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but but there was no like previously on on Star Trek Enterprise mm, for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's mm. very true. Okay, well, um, dear listener, I have some advice for you. If you have a UTI, don't stay in a treehouse <laughs> that has like a loft bed that you have to climb down the ladder in order to use the restroom. That's not a good idea because mm -hmm. it's kind of not super safe to climb up and down a ladder repeatedly in the middle of the night. <laughs> I said I'd Less share that advice with you. Yeah, you know, so I feel that that my sad experiences should help other people prevent sad experiences <laughs> like this <laughs> in the future. So. Words to live by. Oh, yes, man. yes, yes. Um, I also feel that maybe we have all uh, suffered some sort of injury to our hippocampuses since we don't seem to remember how to podcast together at the beginning. My strange new take, and I think so. My strange new take for this episode, I remember the first time I saw this episode, I loved it because I always, I, I liked the relationship between uh, Archer and T'Pol. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the second time I watched it was actually not that long ago. Um, I mm. watched Enterprise all the way through with my husband, like in the past two years or so. Um, and I think I caught on to this that time too, but I, I feel that there was potentially, I don't know if they had this in the storyline or not, but I feel like there was potentially another factor at play in this episode that they didn't really delve into mm. but they kind of teased that towards the um not quite the end of the episode but slightly before the end and I'll talk about that more later but it was one of those just kind of a little hmm, I wonder if perhaps there was something else going on that was kind of informing some of the actions that were happening but they just they didn't say it explicitly like it wasn't a so, so it could be, I don't know if that was something they had written in and then decided to go a different direction or I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it. So you, this is the Archer Kapal relationship. No, it's not about the relationship. It's about, um, uh, the, it's a, it's about the time travel, mm -hmm. um, but a, a different aspect to it because there, the time travel in this was kind of straightforward. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. as far as it, what, you know, it wasn't like they had to, you know, tech the tech and jump back in time and fix the timeline like it wasn't that kind of a thing it was a it, you know they yeah. did a different thing but there was something else that was happening just with the um with the zindi that just had me wondering so anyway yeah. okay you'll bring it up in this yeah and, i'll bring it up okay. i just okay. wanted to tease it i wanted yeah. my strength yeah. to take about the episode to tease what's nice. going to happen Ooh. later you listen, well, you listen you, further into this episode you, it's right you have, really success, you have successfully teased me on this yeah. i'm very curious um yeah, so my strange new take is that 
aircraft are fascinating and i've really got into like aircraft again after like 20 years i, I used to be huge into like fighter aircraft commercial aircraft all throughout my childhood uh, space aircraft like i really liked them and I've, I've recently got into aircraft and there's like a new trend on instagram and on instagram if you dear listener if you're there the products that are being sold are the things that can catch your attention visually. And something that's being sold these days are aircraft skin. So a lot of aircraft make it into uh, boneyards where they're taken off of parts. And there are these companies that buy like aircraft that have like interesting pasts, whether they're commercial or military aircraft, and they cut off just a layer of its like outer shell. And they sell these little like luggage tags. So I'm holding up one. You can't see it, unfortunately. But it's really cool. I own one now from a United Airlines Boeing 747. You may know that the 747s have been retired. And I have mem fond memories of traveling on United 747s. So I don't know. I, it's kind of like a nice little keepsake. And it's I'm just reflecting on how aviation is fun and cool. Uh, and it's relevant to enterprise because it's entire first, like the intro is a lot about aviation pioneers. Mm -hmm. But in regards to this episode, I'll just keep my episode strange new take pretty short, which is that I just, every time I watch Enterprise, I just get blown away by how good some of the like mm -hmm. acting on this is compared to its reputation. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I, I always wonder like, is it because my expectations were so low or is it because like, <laughs> I, and, and I think it's the latter. I think, I think there's just, this is a well acted show and I, I like it. That, that was a hot take. Magic, I, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I will say it though. So, uh, my, both of my stranger takes obviously come from this episode but um because i'm garbage at coming up with the ones that are like for my personal life they're somehow intriguing so this one's you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it i guess hopefully but upon realizing that um robert duncan mcneil or duncan robert mcneil or however you the hell you say his name um was the director for this episode i then kind of went on a little bit of a of a spiral looking at all of the other episodes of things that he's directed because apparently his direction his directing career is significantly longer and more varied than his acting career mm -hmm. which wikipedia told me about an hour and a half ago uh and one of the things that he did around the same time that he directed a bunch of like four seven or so episodes of um of uh enterprise is that he also directed about the same number of episodes of dawson's creek um <laughs> so i'm like pretty excited about that for number one because i think i love like hardcore like unironically but also somewhat ironically loved the incredible soap opera blocking that a lot of this episode had where T'Pol like did full face turn to the camera and had like a full like emoting moment even though she's Vulcan like hmm hmm ready the torpedoes like I I've you know what I love that I can't I can't say anything bad about it even though it kind of sucks uh so I'm really interested to see what episodes of Dawson's Creek he directed like are they the most like melodramatic wildly weird ones of all time like i want to kind of do that one because i it's a uh, it's intriguing to me now i want to know more fun to go back and watch dawson's creek it is and it's always like dawson <laughs> what are you why are you the way that you are why do you make the choices that you have made and it's uh it's it's frustrating but it's a fun endeavor so anyway uh team pacey and yeah totally team pacey, pacey that's so right better than, okay listen. so much better okay <laughs> that's coming up on our next side podcast yeah. the dawson's creek podcast Street we got Andrew green gables we are like already writing our own like side podcast enjoy it <laughs> not just like thank God, please okay. leave us alone. Stop it. Um, and so then the other one is that this episode combines two of so one of my least favorite um, tropes and one of my most favorite tropes in in like sci-fi. Well, amnesia is one of my least favorite tropes in general. Like I, 
I kind of hate it. And what the reason that I hate it in general is because it long-term or short-term amnesia, like, like Alias had this one season that was completely like, she's forgotten everything and we're going to do a whole reset or whatever. Um, and there are other ones that are one episode long. And the reason I, I hate amnesia is because it usually plays out one of two ways. And like one way is where uh, they, everything gets fixed real easily uh, with like a, a, like a blow to the head kind of situation. Or it also like becomes like, oh, you, you gave orders to erase your own memory. So like, there's like a lot of like garbage writing that comes into amnesia that you're like I'm gonna make a drama for one episode and then never handle it again and I did a time time travel like also kind of falls into that pit as well but um for some reason I find it more entertaining but I think I was watching this episode sort of similar to Notch I was actively and genuinely surprised by how much I enjoyed the episode in general so like while it takes a trope that I really kind of fucking hate (laughs) in general it was a really enjoyable episode and actually did a lot of things that I haven't really seen a lot in amnesia and time travel episodes recently. So like, you know, props to this episode and props to Enterprise. Although I don't agree that I think this episode, this, this season, this series is super well acted. There are some moments that I think are really great in this episode too. So there we go. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to add a super there. Let's yeah. just say I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> just leave it at well, well acted. It's, uh, it's acted. Yeah, <laughs> I believe um, it. So, so jumping into the discussion here, something I feel like I have to do here is just because like Max, dear listener, you may not have watched the arc on season three and it is somewhat episodic and there are some things that, that come in here that are relevant. So just think giving you just the basic as low spoilery version as possible um, might be useful before I dump, jump into the episode summary, which is that Enterprise has been sent to this area of space called the Expanse to find the Zindi, who are a species that sent a weapon to Earth. This weapon killed a lot of people on Earth, and there is a suggestion that they're going to be sending a much more powerful weapon at some point to finish the job. a Death Star that can fly across space, potentially. Right, 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 right. (laughs) And and so... so Or planet killer. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so that's the mission. And this is pretty early in the season. So we're still getting to about a third of the way through the season. So the, the crew hasn't really figured much out yet other than there are a bunch of different species of Zindi, uh, which is why in this episode, we exclusively see the Zindi reptilians. But you'll see that when they say the Zindi ships are here, there are like three different types of ships. That's because there are three different types of Zindi. Mm-hmm. So, and they mentioned um, the insectoid, I think, also mm-hmm, in the episode. Yeah, they yeah. Do. Mm-hmm. Another quick thing is the episode before this, Enterprise encounters a ship full of Vulcans that have gone crazy. Mm. And some stuff happens to T'Pol there. And I don't want to don't want to let mm-hmm. you know, but she is, should I should I I'm just gonna say she has some emotional issues because of what happens mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And so she is from this point forward in the season, she is really struggling with her kind of balance and, and everything there gotcha. so um so it's kind of significant coming into this episode that she's had this like major problem in the previous episode like where where she had like made and this is a season where they do carry things from one episode mm-hmm. to the next yeah and archer specifically one other last point before i move on archer and trip are probably the two most emotionally affected by what the zindi weapon has done to her trip's mm-hmm. sister has been killed Archer is just like devastated. Yeah. So just 
I feel like that mm-hmm. context helps a little bit. It's kind of funny that they didn't have a previously on at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I was wondering yes. about that. Yeah. Because it was I so feel Max like... wouldn't get too spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> we it was so thoughtful of them 20 years ago Maybe when I they were making this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because um, it, it does inform the tension between the characters. Like yeah. When Trip totally. suddenly starts acting like a douchebag in the middle of the episode, it's because his sister died just right. a few okay. months ago. Okay. Right. So anyway, the episode summary is the effect of a Delphic Expanse anomaly your anomalies max the effect of Delphic on an expanse anomaly leaves archer unable to form any long-term memories 12 years later he wakes up one morning and is stunned to learn the outcome of the humans in the conflict including the loss of earth and the near annihilation of the human race he then has to go on 51st dates with nepal and it becomes a brilliant adam sandler movie uh, i looked it up though this came first because mm-hmm. oh. I was curious, I was like, "Which one can I?" All right, so so there, there's a few things that I can tell you about the writing of this story. One of which I'll, I'll tell you right now, which is that this was, this was supposed to be an episode of Voyager, where Janeway mm-hmm. has this happen to her, and then Chakotay ends up taking care of her. Uh, that did not end up becoming an episode of Voyager, and Mike Sussman found it easier to pitch this to the Enterprise writers. Nice. Hmm. Because it's easier to have a woman taking care of a man than it is a man to be taking care of a woman. Mm. I think also, I mean, I, I, so I, I, yeah, hot take and for sure. I think also the fact that this, it, it, given the context that I just learned from not you guys about this entire season, I think it does help to have there be some sort of continuity between episodes for this to have a like more of an emotional weight and the mm-hmm. thing about voyager that i have noticed over the course of my watching voyager is that like not in, there are some episodes that really just don't carry the emotional weight that they really could you know if it were like a better show <laughs> or like more consistent um so i actually like this as a as an enterprise show in general because we do get a lot of that like the, the characters and the relationships are really well established i watched this episode today obviously and then i watched the last episode of enterprise that i watched was i think the pilot of episode of, of enterprise or flocks or whatever so i've only watched recently the episodes of enterprise that we have reviewed for this show and i understood and connected with every single emotional stake that was at play in this episode and i think that really shows what you can do if like there's a consistent narrative <laughs> and a consistent relationship between characters that you know, as much as I as I watched Enterprise, like Voyager for entertainment value, I think this really fits with the rest of the show because they handled the rest of the show differently. I don't know. I don't like it. Did you, and you watched, you've seen Enterprise before? I have, but not recently. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think I've watched all of it either. I've watched like some of it, but yeah, not okay. like consistently. Like I've watched like, we've watched, I've watched uh, Next Generation all the way through and I've watched mm-hmm. um, Deep Space Nine all the way through and I've watched most of Voyager and parts of the original series so like this is the one like with, with the original series this is the, the the series that i have watched the least um and sort of That's caught so fun, though, caught to have parts of it yeah and caught like parts of it and i think i've sort of falling in the same like realm with notch again where i was like there's some things i don't like about the show in general like i'm not saying it's a banger all the time and other i don't like some of the acting for the main characters and so that kind of hurts it in my it's watchability for me but in terms of like like watching this episode and like reviewing it for its merits not like what i thought it would be like i really liked it <laughs> i think it fits yeah. really well and the, i mean the direction is part of that the writing is part of that but i think also like the the way that the the characters and their relationships are established over the course of this se- the series really shows even in the in individual episodes so like while it's not episodic really i'm able to jump in as a first time rewatcher and be able to 
appreciate it for what it is too. You know what I mean? So I think it was, I think it fits in Enterprise. It's like long story short, I think it fits as an as this episode of Enterprise and does a lot um, for the mm-hmm. show too, which I really appreciate. So we 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 open we open this episode with kind of like I feel like this is a trope of all of the time travel episodes. Yes. Like in the yes. in Timeless, it was like oh Voyager under the ice. In mm-hmm. um, Time Zero, it's like oh it's Data's head, and here it's like oh <laughs> Earth has been blown up and right. Captain Archer is like shirtless you know now. it's gonna come back, like you know. <laughs> so what impacted you more, Scott Bakula shirtless? Or the earth being blown up, right? Uh, <laughs> I said shirtless did nothing for <laughs> You know what was so interesting, though, about how they started, though? I don't know if you're about to say this, Notch, but they don't start it in the most future point mm-hmm. and that was that's what made it different from the mm-hmm. other episodes you know it didn't you know they they kind of start in the middle almost mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. after the credits is when you find out that you know this is but so they they're they're teasing what's happened with archer mm-hmm. but you don't quite know what it is anyway so i thought that was totally. kind of a nice a nice twist for them mm-hmm. to- mm-hmm. totally yeah i'll say that like the the thing so the thing the trope that i don't love about time travel is that like when the second we see something that we know will not stick around we're like oh this is a one-off episode <laughs> or like time travel is going to be involved in this like they're, they're not gonna let earth continue to be blown up because first of all it's can't it's not canon earth that was not blown up um earth still very much a thing in the original series and every other uh season series and so like you know like you see the earth blown up you're like oh no how could this possibly have happened oh dear and like you know the same thing happens whenever like a a main character is killed like data's head or like you know there's like somebody who is like a headliner and you're like oh they probably won't kill this person off (laughs) in this episode i imagine something's gonna happen that's gonna take it back so like the the stakes are pretty low sometimes with time travel episodes um and so that was my only real quibble but that's kind of like part and parcel of time travel in general like there's there has to be a reason to go back in time to mm-hmm. fix the the past and make the future better and so when you're like well earth earth's gone she's dead now <laughs> like that's a that's a stake that's an emotional mm-hmm. stake mm-hmm. but it also then means like they're they're not gonna we're not gonna end this with earth still being gone you know so yeah, is is there a, a time travel episode that has sort of lasting repercussions you know where the the issue is not kind of fully resolved at the end of it i'm i'm trying to think well Sella being around in tng happens because of yesterday's enterprise Ooh. oh yeah mm. yeah yeah so 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 That's that so that is a lasting impact on the timeline mm-hmm. same with discovery's time travel mm-hmm. yeah um sure. yeah. so so it's happened rarely but it's not like you know it's like it's like harry kim being the fake harry kim it's never like yeah, we're, never, we're, never, like we're never gonna get over that right. by the way if anyone's listening is like you talk right. about this every episode we're never gonna get over fake <laughs> and no one giving a shit it's never gonna happen so I this is this is yeah. so, sorry diana to interrupt i was gonna i was gonna take advantage of the fact that we have someone here who's never watched this before mm-hmm. um uh and all oh, this season and max i wanted to know so so the, the whole so this first act is all set up right like the time jumps back and forth a whole bunch and I was kind of wondering how the setup worked for you. Did it give you like a lay of the land? Did you understand what was happening? Like, mm. how did you react to it? Yeah, you know, I, I think, I think it generally worked. I, you know, I feel like it took me, 
I don't know, maybe a third of the episode to kind of get a grasp on, on what was really happening. And I think that, you know, probably previous experience with time travel in other science fiction and, and in Star Trek specifically kind of helped me mm-hmm. put the pieces together. You know, like I said, some of the explanation in terms of like the anomalies, like what are these anomalies? What do they do? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, maybe that's that's fully explained somewhere else. I still feel like that felt kind of thin to me and like you know I didn't understand why there were parasites in the anomalies that could infect someone's brain again maybe that was established somewhere else but it felt a little it it (laughs) felt a little cobbled together (laughs) to me um is is what I would say Mm -hmm. in terms of the setup I will say that like the narrative structure, while I didn't love the exposition dump, which had to happen because of the way that this episode is, I didn't love the 12 years later, like him and Paul playing house situation. I don't think it was like the best directed realistically of the parts of the episode. Um, and therefore like not the best acted in general as well. You take that back. Tom Paris. He's <laughs> so good director. at it. Well, I think it's we were at the point where like uh, T'Pol is telling uh, Archer that the earth had been destroyed. Like obviously for the last, like the first, like, you know again million times like just like i've said it over and over and over again and he's hearing it for the first time and watching scott bacula try to be like this is new information for me and it hurts me deeply but i'm just (laughs) like like looking up at the ceiling in like pain and then like stumbling out of his house and like leaning against the stone wall and like i was just like that didn't one that one didn't really play that well i really wanted the the darth vader no because that's kind of where it was leading so like like i feel like of all of the different pieces because there's so many parts of this episode that i just really loved for the way that the characters played with each other and like played Mm -hmm. off of each other the the way that the the the, the direction really showed that there was this mattered to everybody um that that timeline did not really play for me the way that the other ones did didn't have the same effect but in terms of like that sort of through line helping first of all him it makes sense that it was telling him the story but it also was like oh i'm gonna tell you the story watcher so that you can also understand so that did it did help definitely um but there i mean there are a lot of like uh, well, plot, star trekky and plot holes where you're like sure you know what why not there are parasites cool don't need to know more again whatever that you know i don't think well, and there that's where you need the techno babble you know you, you need to <laughs> at least give it like the veneer of you know being grounded in some kind <laughs> mm-hmm. of science or some kind of knowledge that's mm-hmm. you know that exists in this universe mm-hmm. the, the, the parasites have a point to phase variance exactly. See, yeah <laughs> right that's that's but all they need say, <laughs> in, in defense of the, the 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 lack of science in general what i will say is that because this season series is like the earliest of all star trek seasons it would make sense that the science isn't really up or like the knowledge of space science spacey science is not up to (laughs) what like data would then know in next generation you know what i mean like that does make sense but it could be people people being like i don't really know what this is right you know i i very deeply felt the awkwardness in the scenes where archer is trying to help and Mm -hmm. trip and depaul are like yeah mm-hmm. emily emily did you did you connect with that too yeah it was um well and you just i mean i i you feel for archer throughout mm-hmm. the whole episode because mm-hmm. like god that's just gotta suck like right. that's just gotta suck and and each you know i mean obviously like throughout his life it's getting more and more amped up you know so for the first i because i can't remember is it a 
is it a year? I don't know how long it is between when he has the injury or a few months and when mm-hmm. earth is destroyed. But, um, you know, I mean, the stakes get worse and worse and worse, you know, and then you get right. to the point where you're gonna have to tell him that, oh, we totally failed in our mission and earth was destroyed. And not only was earth destroyed, but like all of humanity with the exception of 6,000 people were destroyed. I mean, yeah. it's like grim, so, you know, so you just, and, um, and I, especially when you see to Paul, um, Oh, well, is she deciding um, when they get to where they can find a planet and she decides that she's resigning and she's going to mm-hmm. go down to the surface and just stay with him because he just, he is at a loss. He doesn't know what to do. He feels so useless. Mm-hmm. That, like, one of the sadder scenes is when after the Vulcan ship comes yeah. and he can see out the window, he's like, there's a reason I picked this, you know, these quarters, yeah. I can see a lot of things, but I mean, he just feels so useless. And that's right. just so sad for the captain mm-hmm. to go from, being the captain to being in the way totally and someone you're just placating and just kind of Mm -hmm. patting on the head like it's like it's a kid like that's that's so humiliating yeah she she says you take portals for a walk around the classroom sometimes yeah (laughs) and and regale them with your with old with our old missions you know it's like that it's like he's a doddering old man is the way they treat him absolutely i i think there there are other parallels too that I Mm -hmm. hope we can kind of get into a little bit but um, what you're describing there and also other parts of this episode Mm. really reminded me of All Good Things Mm. um, which Mm. is one of my all-time favorite episodes of Star Trek but you know again kind of you know there we see kind of the the old Picard Mm -hmm. who is belittled and kind of treated like a child and you know nobody believes him about what's going on Mm -hmm. so maybe a slightly different spin on things but kind of a similar setup and sort of a similar um, angle through Mm -hmm. which we get to view this like pretty formerly powerful character and one of the things i think this episode does really well is like i think i feel i agree i feel really bad for archer in this episode but i i also because this show is is obviously archer centric but it also really fleshes out all the other side characters and all the other crew members in the bridge i feel so bad for trip especially and to paul like the thing about like vulcans is that the the characterization of vulcans is like you don't really show feelings and so i can see it feels nasty for her but like because she doesn't wear it on her on her face quite in the same way that like the human characters do, I feel so bad for the other human characters and especially Trip because he's in the scenes where like it's clear that they've had had this conversation before and like how much that how much that hurts um, and how nasty yeah. that feels to have to sort of tell the captain that he's not making a difference and mm-hmm. like because like realistically because they are able to form long term memories this trauma of their friend not being able to know them as they are now is long lasting and really, really hurtful. And so like, while I, def- I definitely didn't understand that the, the backstory about Trip losing his sister, like I could see how much this particular thing hurt him. And I like, so him being like, I'm gonna throw these people out of the airlock. I was like, maybe that's too much, but also like I did understand that he felt <laughs> angry and bitter and upset, even if it was just about this one thing, like the, it, it, it made a huge difference. So like, I think that those those moments are like the strongest moments in this episode and really helped sort of balance out the, let me tell you this other thing that happened to you that's narratively important for this episode <laughs> moments that were like n- not quite as emotionally grounding, you know? I, I watched this as a teenager back in the day. And obviously I think I was affected by um, T'Pol's decision to help um, mm-hmm. 
Archer, and I, I became a little bit of a Tapal Archer like fanboy because of oh, all the hormones back then. fanfic? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think for me now, again, this this episode, much like a lot of Enterprise's best episodes, teaches a lot about Tapal as a as a mm-hmm. character and her sense of like dedication or like that she owed Archer, mm-hmm. I think also came through for me. It's like she 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 owes the humans the success of the mission and then she owes Archer to like, and when Saval comes over and mm-hmm. she like defends the humanity and she's like, we held them back. Their planet is destroyed mm-hmm. because of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at what we did recently with Broken Bow where she's like, you're all assholes and we right. shouldn't help mm-hmm. you at all. Like, right. and, and how far she's come in, in mm-hmm. the intervening time. Absolutely. It's it's interesting. One way that she doesn't evolve compared to all the other actors, I don't know if you'll notice, Flox has like the long hair. He's become oh, LBJ. He was looking good. Basically. Yeah. yeah, he's become old LBJ. He's got a few age spots. Archer is wearing, actually, is wearing one of the wigs that Ambassador Saval had during his like makeup <laughs> yes. test. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the background explanation was that Tapal's been cutting his hair, so of course he looks a little Vulcan. Uh, <laughs> Trip Tucker has become... Right. I will uh, take this logical bull and cut a logical haircut. Uh, Trip has become George W. Bush. Um, Absolutely. Mal- <laughs> Mal- right. Malcolm Reed has become evil Malcolm Reed with his goatee. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. okay that, that goatee slaps. He looks oh, good too. That's an incredible that, that goatee. goatee. Added a lot I just, of, uh, it also character. helps really differentiate him from Trip, which in the beginning of the, the of the series, I was like, "You guys look so similar that I hate it," and he needs to stop. <laughs> Uh, Travis, May- oh no, they killed him in the first minute of the episode. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And was, they don't even I, make it a deal. Like, like right. they don't even say that he's dead. It's not until <laughs> uh, there was, some, oh, until he doesn't show up in a later scene. And I'm like, oh, they, they really did I, kill I, him. I, I, I did not even up. notice. Well, so, oh so something gosh. I noticed, something, something that we, we talked about is when Hoshi came on screen, she also didn't have any grays either and she so had shorter Ma- hair and just shorter hair and the master's just like is it like a racist thing that they can't age the, the asian character and i was like no it's both women in the episode they never age Paul just gets like longer sexier hair <laughs> First and pajamas, that's so. it you know okay, I mean? so not that it matters what people look like but the friends reunion the men no. have aged more than the women Absolutely. you know mm-hmm. so it's like, it's like it's there's because a there's standard. an expectation yeah. for women that they don't age so well, like, you know like, extra uh, care is taken you can imagine in the right in like the writer's room or like in the, the hair and makeup like the conversation that they had with like direct like the director or whatever and they're like we'll make them sexy and grizzled but the ladies can't show their age because Although, they can't be sexy and grizzled here I can't, I did come up with an excuse for it or an explanation for it. So for Tapal, twelve years for a Vulcan—that's not a big that deal. Yeah, so true. she really wouldn't age that much. Mm-hmm. For Hoshi, so I'm trying to think. I feel like I've probably aged more between thirty-three and forty-three than I did between twenty-three and thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hoshi was the <laughs> youngest one on the ship. Like she that's was fair. pretty young when they started. Mm. Oh well, Travis was pretty young too. But mm-hmm. um, but, but dead, anyway, so, so he can't possibly. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just thinking like, you know, so the um, trip and them, they would have been, they're now in their 40s or 50s, whereas she would just Mm -hmm. be in her 30s. So anyway, that's also something I thought of too. That could be, because I'm definitely getting more of this stuff, you know, under my Mm -hmm. eyes now that I'm in my 40s than I had when I was (laughs) in my 30s. That's totally fair. one, One note about Hoshi's though. It was again like them just killing Travis and be like, "Ha, we don't have to write him anymore and then for the rest of the show." Apparently, <laughs> uh, yeah. And 
and which I mean, the whole Travis thing is annoyed me throughout Enterprise. Yeah. The other thing that people have talked about is that Hoshi Sato's character doesn't involve very much to the show. And in this episode, they acknowledge it. Did uh, Archer, did everyone get their own ship while I was gone? Hoshi, not everyone, sir. And I'm pretty sure Linda Park played that as like a, oh, uh, yeah, exactly, writers. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Cool. Um, you guys are great. Right. But I feel like um, Hoshi was flying the ship for a moment after Travis got offed. You know, because I, I was like, well, well you she, know, she gotta, she's she gotta, flying the ship now. Upgrade. What's going on? Yikes, <laughs> man. It's wild. I will say so for so, uh, hmm. no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's on the subject of writing because we're still kind of on the writing thing. One of the things I really appreciated about this episode that doesn't often happen in like time travel episodes is that everybody was at the end when the sort of like the solution, which we'll get really get into, was sort of like, was like something that people um, that flocks in uh, to Paul really uh, recognized. Instead of being like, oh, this is a side plot that'll have a convenient ending for this episode, everybody, including Trip, was in on the potential solution and the consequences of that solution in this episode, in the storyline of this episode. And so everyone was acting within, with like a knowledge of what could happen, right? And I thought that was really cool because a lot of times in like time travel resets, it's like one person knows but tells no one and then they'll just do this thing and wherever this one is like, treats everyone as if they are equals in this in this storyline where it's like the people who have the power to make this happen they all know the consequences and they are able to make choices within those consequences knowing the risks and knowing the 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 what the, the price and i thought that was really cool about this episode so at this point let's take a quick break we'll come back and talk about the time travel mechanics at play here and then the uh, kind of the, the the solution being placed and, and how things go back to quote-unquote mm-hmm. normal. What's the problem? Your engineers won't let us continue with the captain's treatment. Those were my orders. Look, I'd do anything to help the captain, but we've got bigger problems at the moment. This may be the only solution to your problems, Captain. Destroying these parasites is most likely the key to saving humanity and Earth. Earth's gone. This image was taken a few minutes ago. You can see the region where I eradicated the first cluster of parasites. It's gone in this image as well. Doc. This scan was taken over 12 years ago. The cluster has disappeared from all the scans I've taken over the last 12 years. It's as though it never existed at all. By destroying the organisms in the present, we appear to have neutralized them in the past. We know they're from another spatial domain. Apparently, they also exist outside of time. If we can eliminate all of the parasites, it's possible. The captain's infection will never have occurred. History may be altered. Captain Archer will have remained in command of Enterprise. Our mission in the Expanse could have an entirely different outcome. We only have to divert power for a few hours. I am certain I can complete the procedure in that time. I'm sorry. We need all the power we've got for the weapons. The Zindi are on the way. There's very little we can do to stop them. Well, we can't just run up the white flag. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're, of course, discussing Twilight. And I'm trying to decide whether I'm on team Charlie. Was that the... Man, I can't even do the joke right about the movie because I I don't even know, like, (laughs) Bella. Team Bella and team Uh, team... Edward. No, no, honey. Team Edward and Jacob. What are you doing? (laughs) Totally team Jacob. Team team Billy or team Jim? Esme? (laughs) Who are all these people? I don't know. I, I... 
You, okay, you, you, so did you, literally, you literally Google Twilight and then have people show up in the cast <laughs> and the first person should be like, okay, that's Charlie. So <laughs> therefore he's the main character because he's on the left. Sixth graders do better than that, Najiket. I need to yeah, sixth graders watch Twilight, not <laughs> me. I've, I've unfortunately been, you know, in the cultural uh, wasteland as far as Twilight is concerned. So uh, I couldn't I mean, make that joke. Watched, I feel like being in the cultural wasteland is watching all of Twilight. That's... <laughs> Because I've, I've done that, and I, I I wish I could get those hours back. I just really watched good. it for the first time the, recently. The first, actually, first movie, and that's the only movie in the series that we're in. Moment of I insanity. I still haven't seen the last movie. I've it's only not seen the worst, first four. Don't save your save yourselves. It's not <laughs> good. It's not worth. Okay. It. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no. Uh, back to Twilight. Team Charlie actually. Team Charlie's a Charlie. Charlie's a character. <laughs> Charles Trip Tucker. Um, so let, let's let's talk about the mechanics of time travel. Let's talk about the mm-hmm. mechanics of time travel in this episode. It's a peculiar one because the time travel really only occurs with the parasites. The parasites mm-hmm. are the only things that are traveling back in time. And just to give you uh, a bit of information background. It's Archer's hippocampus has been infected with interspatial parasites that have left him with anterograde amnesia, preventing him from forming any long-term memories. Fun fact, this is actually based on the real-life story of Henry Malaysen, mm-hmm. who in 1953 was taken to the Delphic Expanse and found it in... <laughs> no, he died wasn't. In an attempt to cure him of epilepsy, Mr. Malaysen had two-thirds of his hippocampi Matter hippocampal cortices, interhineal cortices, and a bunch of other parts of his brain. I'm not going to name and read out. Mm-hmm. They had those removed. And then from that point on, Malaysian became unable to commit new facts to long-term memory. Mm-hmm. And from each subsequent day until his death, people had to explain to him what date it was and what had happened since 1953. So, like, I didn't think this actually happened. Epilepsy? Yeah. Yeah. So he had, he had, he had really, he had brown mal seizures, like, every day. Okay. of his life and so it was really it was so debilitating that they were like let's just cut a bunch of shit out of your brain and that became this this pretty worked? famous story in psychology it uh it i don't even know if it did work with his epilepsy that's or not, the but... thing like i'm like that what a i mean i don't know maybe yeah. it was worth it if he didn't have those terrible I seizures i don't know though yeah. <laughs> so scary so 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 scary <sighs> yeah well so what a, too yes. bad that they didn't put him into a exploding starship because then you know he would have gone back in the past and yeah <laughs> So one thing I like, so I, I think that there's some some dubious mechanics at work here for sure. It's like let's just make it a time travel amnesia episode, sure. And you're like, all right, I I'm in, I'm into it. Um, so I liked that it was not yet again like a tachyon particle situation, even though I know tachy like I like I'm, I'm familiar with those in, in other Star Trek. Uh-huh. I was gonna say regular Star Trek. This is regular Star Trek, but you know what I mean. Um, so I liked that there was another explanation for this thing that was happening than sort of like the tried and true whatever it being a parasite made some sense to me um but i don't oh know why the parasite is in the anomaly i don't know what that actually means there's a lot of other stuff it's like it's spacey wacy it's timey wimey it's whatever um but the second that flox was like this they're interspatial they're not part of this space-time continuum i was like yeah i know how this is gonna yeah yeah so just take out the take out the and then everything goes okay yeah all right cool so like it was a setup with an obvious conclusion um which mm-hmm. you know is helpful in a 43 minute episode for sure but it definitely was like what's gonna happen how are we going to solve this problem that wasn't awesome you know it's not the best and most dramatic or most uh suspenseful episode if you're like i'm pretty sure i as a layman know what's gonna happen to make this episode get better you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know I 
I agree. I mean, honestly, now that I'm kind of sitting here going through this, uh, the mechanics a little bit in a little bit more detail, I, I guess I'm not really fully sure how the parasites are causing the time travel, which is making me think that maybe this could have been explained a little more clearly. But mm-hmm. um, on the surface level, and, and, and as I was watching the episode, mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about that too hard. Mm-hmm. And, and at least on the surface, um, I'm going to bring up all good things again, because mm-hmm. the, the time travel reminded me a little bit of that in the sense that... Um, you know, we have kind of like multiple periods of time here. It's not just present and future. We have kind of like the middle time period as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And we see that actions that are taken at various points all have an effect on the the parasites Mm -hmm. the same way that in All Good Things, um, we have the spatial anomaly and that, um, you know, shooting the beam at it at one point in time also affects it in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was kind of cool. And uh yeah, it was it was nice to see like a little bit of a callback to that, but um, I wouldn't say it's sort of the the most convincing or sort of most um, comprehensive explanation of time travel mm-hmm. that we've seen. It also it almost seems like, and this is not really a quibble realistically, that because it happens in every episode, but like that this like the 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 how or the why really does not matter so much in the story it's kind of like this thing happened yada 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 but the effect mm-hmm. is the most important thing um mm-hmm. so like you know i think there there's a reason for that this is like you know con- it's convenient storytelling i get it i can follow it i'm here with it i understand it so it's not like you know it's not like, like a real serious mark on this episode but it is kind of like yeah this is it serves a purpose and the purpose is the thing that we're gonna do with this episode and shrug emoji it's fine i like that it didn't get in the way Mm-hmm. I, I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes there's like, you know, especially in Timeless, it was like, you know, when Bill was talking about how, isn't there like somebody not like, why does Harry Kim have to like type in the phase corrections? And, and why, why does somebody at Voyager have to like hear them? Why can't there just be like some sort of computer link? Mm-hmm. I feel like when the time travel gets overly complicated, it can get in the way of the story. So you have to like start asking yourself questions that you're just like, okay, just set that aside. Mm-hmm. Whereas over here, it's just like, Okay, easy peasy. I don't need to like mm-hmm. think about it too much. It's all visual. So when Flox is like, look, they're gone from all these photos from 12 years ago. You're just like, sure. great. Yeah, easy, I understand easy that. peasy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can see how somebody else would see the same thing as as them. You know, it's like, it's pretty straightforward. I do think the more complicated you make your time travel, the more loopholes you have to fill in. Um, right. And like this one, like there was a, there was a moment toward the end where, uh, it seemed like the captain, like uh, Archer had been pretty aware of what was happening for like a long period of time. And either like mm-hmm. they kind of yada, yada, yada through them doing it again, like telling him the exact circumstances, or it's like secretly, it's not just long-term memory. It's like every time he goes to sleep, he forgets. Cause every time it's like, he's, he wakes up. So he's not like turning around being like, what happened seven hours mm-hmm. ago? Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter. Ultimately, but I was just like, kind of like, huh, it's been a, it's been a long day for him. It's been a long day. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, been a long day. <laughs> finally, in the intro this time it was like oh this is yeah they, oh man okay, okay. don't right. don't get us derailed but the Sorry. intro music i was love a the different. skip intro button on netflix let me it's tell so, you so, it really <laughs> helps when you're honestly it's the, it's the best thing people have done for humanity in a long time <laughs> i will reveal to you and to our listeners that i actually hit that button 
And then I went round, went back and listened because I was like, oh, wait, it's oh Enterprise. Oh, my God, you freak. Uh, I need to do, do this. you listen to, like, Kenny G for fun? Like, what We're are gonna you We're going to need to shoot a, a warp-powered laser at your brain <laughs> and try <laughs> to uh, remove that. whatever parasites have uh, <laughs> <laughs> home there. He forgets well, that's not I, a good theme song and goes back and watches it every time. <laughs> I, I, I had a moment where I was dancing along to it a little bit, and then I realized that I was listening to it English. Uh, singer put on a fake American accent to sing it, and I enjoyed it even more. And it was just, it was there great. Was, I just, listener, there was zero you, irony. Have you ever watched him live? Have you, like, no. you can see on YouTube, there are a lot of videos of him performing this song live in front of like thousands of people, and it's it's incredible. You should you should check it out. <laughs> I, I there, there's a moment in him singing where he goes, I can do anything. He's got the accent. He really has the accent. He's, he's going to breathe oh. all the way through this song. It's great. <laughs> um, anyway, I, uh, I I think we should go back to talking about the story. Time travel? Unless, yeah, we we more mechanics, unless we have more mechanics discussions. But no. um, uh, so so the next part, after the, basically the setup, we've, we've done the whole setup. We found out about our turn to Paul's dynamic. It's, and and it, it kind of ends on that weird note of where she says, our relationship, relationship has evolved. evolved and she's like evolved to what and then it just i like, had some real away. anxiety for him i was like did you take advantage of this poor man <laughs> like he can't remember <laughs> anything and then i was sort of like waiting for him for her to be like we totally boned right. several times and we it didn't happen That's so dark. it was a weird thing to say like you could have said like we've had a lot of time to talk would have been a really good way of saying that versus like what? our relationship has evolved i'm like did you did you bone him and he can't remember. <laughs> that's not okay, to Paul. You know what I mean? I had this. Ugh. So I don't. You know, I had later I had some in the Later in the episode, though, when Flocks, I feel like Flocks kind of filled that in for us. Totally. But they, yeah. it was inappropriate the way they cut right there. For you sure. know. <laughs> but, sure. but you know, when Flocks says like that had to be hard, you learning so much about him, and he can't learn anything new about right. you. It's like, yeah, totally. That's an evolved relationship, yeah, or that literally. you know, and it's you can tell that that how painful that would be, and how you know, anyway. Yeah. And from from a writing standpoint, it doesn't. It's a it's a single line. You don't have to do a whole like rewrite. It's like. We've, we've had a lot of time to talk, for example, would be a great thing to say. Yeah. Or like, we've been here for a long time. You told me some stories or I've gotten to know you really well. Or like any of those mm -hmm. things and not our relationship has evolved. Like, well, and then so she got, I've gotten to know you really, really well. Really <laughs> well. Yeah. But like the absolute panic that was on his face. I was like, that's the best acting Scott Bakula has done in this entire episode. And I feel really, like, I'm, I'm panicked for you too. Like what happened? What did you do to him? Concerned, sorry, I, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, since you mentioned Flux, so they go back onto the ship. We talked mm -hmm. a little bit about all the appearances of all the people. Um, George W. Bush and notwithstanding, I think Flux's entry, I think, is the coolest in this episode. Oh, like, when sure. he comes in, I just I just love the conversation between him and T'Pol. Like, again, I feel like the, the character moments in this episode are just mm -hmm. so illuminating in terms mm -hmm. of, like, each of them. Because you understand, like, this guy who's been... You know, he could have done anything right after the humans got back. And and instead, he's he's dedicated his life, an entire decade, to finding a cure for his captain. And it's mm. just, it's really touching. It's really touching. Totally. I think with this it episode... Also kind of, say it also kind of, they're, they're all kind of stuck in time, in a way, yeah. you know? Mm. Like, mm -hmm. they, right. none of them can move past that um, accident that happened. And they're all stuck trying to figure out. But, well, I was going to say, except... Uh, 
Tucker. Trip. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Trip mm-hmm. has some, I, I was going to, so, well, Donna, were you going to say something that, I was going to say something that connects that or, exactly to what you're talking about, okay. actually. I just, so yeah, do you want me to, anyway, I don't know yeah, if you want like to the idea on. that like the, the, the 10 years has weight for everybody and right, the right, right. has for everybody, it changes depending on the character, but right. like, something that's really good about this episode with the time travel and the time jumps and stuff is that like the, t- the 10, the 12 years, like totally happened and they happened for everybody and everybody mm. did things that are different with those 12 years versus like mm. a lot of other time travel episodes where you like you go you jump forward 10 years and people are like well it's been a long time since i saw you captain it's not like there's no like holy shit like i really missed you that kind of thing which i think this episode really does and that was gonna it leads right direct, directly into trip tucker you go for it emily okay well so trip this is i i uh, long didn't have an affinity for season three because i didn't like how angry trip became mm-hmm. i mean i understand um and it's part partly i think it's because you know i had been watching so many star trek shows before enterprise happened and the characters in Star Trek are, this is a terrible word that I'm about to use. Mm-hmm. They're evolved so that mm-hmm. traumas don't turn them into jerks right. later. You know what I mean? Like they're able to handle their traumas and continue mm-hmm. and do their job, right? right? That is so screwed up. Like that's right. so screwed up. I recognize that that's screwed up. <laughs> and so it's more realistic right. and probably, and, and it just, well, they, God, they needed a ship's counselor when they were going into the expanse. I don't know yeah. why they they put Makos on the ship, but they didn't put any uh, right. therapists mm-hmm. on the ship. Right. But um, so I, so that, I mean, I was, as I'm watching, you know, when you're watching Trip wants to throw him out the <laughs> airlock or then there was, a, there was another thing he did where he was just like so angry and, and, and moving, uh, acting out of his anger rather than acting out mm-hmm. of the best, um, like the best decisions that he could be making. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, So for all of these people being trapped in time with, with the accident, you know, and just being Mm -hmm. stuck in this place and wanting to help the captain, um, I found trip to be extraordinarily short-sighted when the Zindi came and were attacking the ship. All he wanted to do was kill the Zindi. And like he, I don't know why. And he, they even told him, like you were talking about, everyone Mm -hmm. was on board with what, what the mechanics of the time travel were, right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Trip knew that if they were able to target more of those parasites, it would they would go away in the mm-hmm. past, and then mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to be dealing with this shit anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so, right. so Trip knew that, and still was more focused on revenge and getting the Zindi than he was on what was going to actually fix all of this. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I found that really, um, that was just really interesting, and said something about Trip's character that. I, I don't know. It was just, he was so blinded by the line the must be drawn here. Yeah. Yes. No father. No father. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it was it? interesting though when he said that line in this episode. It was interesting that they, at the end he attached you're either with us or you're against us. Mm. Uh, and this is a coalition of the willing. I was I thought that was that was good. <laughs> but I will say so. I, I, in defense of Trip, because I think I as, I also as a as a viewer I was like, dude, like you. Like we we could solve this problem now. Yeah. Like I like I, and that's also because I was like with to Paul and I was with Archer in the you know because I I was more with them than I was with Trip. Right. Like I completely mm-hmm. agree that like a long term solution is the better solution if it's gonna help things and get like. But but I also will say that like Trip's twelve years were not with Archer and to Paul right, and they also were not spending all of his time trying to find a cure for Archer. So Trip's twelve years were like. 
initially being really traumatized by his friend not being able to remember him anymore in any of like not be able to form any new memories and then losing his captain and then becoming a so like there are there are realities about trips tucker's life and his responsibilities as a captain that nobody else really had to deal with in the same way for the majority of that time and so like Yes, I think obviously revenge was a huge motivating factor. And I think that that definitely did affect a lot about his decision-making. But I can also see the re- the reason with him being more worried about making it through this one conflict and then being able to think about X, Y, Z. As long as like, he can save these people right now, then we can worry about the other stuff later. And like I, I can see that being a reasonable response from him if he's focused on this like the conflict at hand versus like the overarching consequences if that makes sense so i I will agree i would say like as a viewer i was like bruh but then in his place i may have i may have had a similar Mm -hmm. because he's he's physically responsible for every single person on that ship does that change what decision that he would make or what he would prioritize first before then being like let's do this weird science experiment thing and you he's know, also oh, responsible oh. for every person who's on that planet that's exactly part of the colony. which is right. like exactly. all, of all of humanity all of humanity yeah. right so so if he doesn't stop the zindi right then then humanity is going to be wiped right. out and that's and then like they're kind of like the the, the 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 solution was kind of like well if we can do this and he's like well there's a right. lot of if you know like so i i, I do i do feel it mm-hmm. i do know as a viewer I was like, well, this is probably ultimately going to be the solution anyway. So like, we're just going forward. <laughs> but at the same time, the fact that the, him being given the, the options and him choosing what seems to be the more direct route to protecting the people that he has to protect, I, I, I do buy that. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't hate that decision yeah. from him. I don't think it was the right decision, but I don't hate that decision from him. So I, I oh, s- sorry to interrupt. One, one thing that is kind of, I, I guess we haven't touched on yet is that impact of 6,000 humans left. They're all mm-hmm. on SETI Alpha 5. Um, the, you know, the, the, you had these little convoys mm-hmm. leaving towards SETI Alpha 5, and only Enterprise's convoy made it. Which, by the way, that right. convoy was written as a direct tribute to Battlestar Galactica. I, I was so. going to say, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. awesome. Um, and how, real yeah. quick, how... how um, how many years did this air before the the reboot, reboot. BSG came out? Right before, I right believe, before. because Mike okay. Sussman had read the pilot script of the reboot, and that's why he put this in there. Holy Whoa. shit! What? That's that's wild. Okay. Oh my god! Time travel. Yeah. He referenced a future episode of Whoa. another oh series. God. How did oh they do it? Yeah. Must be the parasites. It is. It's a parasite. Yeah, because because BSG came out aired October tw- two thousand four, so just about a year later, mm-hmm. just wow. a little less okay. than a year. Okay. So, and yeah, I mean, like it's it's very clear. Like if you've come out of the expanse and watching Earth destroyed, I mean that's bad enough. But then like you, yeah, I mean I I not mm-hmm. put that together until just now. What you just mm-hmm. said about Trip and it makes so much sense. And mm-hmm. I, I mean it's. I guess one of the interesting things then is that when we now then move from you know the tension part, which uh, okay, one other thing, I I I, I like this episode, <laughs> so I gotta add this: the part where Archer leaves because he's uncomfortable and mm-hmm. he has to go back to his like empty quarters. It's mm-hmm. I feel like visually that was kind of a, a shocking thing, but it was also kind of like a almost an allegory for his life, where he's like lost all of the things that make life full over. The time since he's left the ship and so his yeah. quarters are empty and i i just 
again, that, that the part where Tapal comes looking for him, I it just hurts. It just hurts to watch. Um, and I, I I love the way that that was that was written. Um, I but, so oh I mm-hmm. I was thinking in this part of the episode um, when the Zindi enter in um, is what inspired my strange new take mm-hmm. that I hinted at. So I thought I would just go ahead and share it with you. I really wonder. So. Sorry, Max. The whole reason that um, that the Zindi go to attack Earth is because they are told that in the future, Earth is going to destroy the Zindi oh, homeworld. Damn. Minority okay. report. Okay. I like so, that. Um, so I can't help but wonder if someone has told them that Archer is the key. Mm. And so mm. there's two things. So I had this thought, like, is there some... Ha- Somehow did the Zindi this this probably didn't happen, but I have mm-hmm. a I have a second a second possibility. Did the Zindi somehow create this parasite that infected Archer's brain so that he would be taken out of the equation? Because the second he's taken out of the equation mm-hmm. and he's no longer the captain, like Tripp says, this mission has taken one wrong turn after another, or whatever his line right. is mm-hmm. that he says. Um, and to Paul, I mean, everyone in the ship is either like they're so affected, none of them are making good decisions as far or at least mm. decisions that are going to lead to the success, mm-hmm. the success of the mission right yeah so so clearly archer was really important to the mission succeeding um i'm not going to tell you whether the mission succeeds ultimately max i won't spoil no. it <laughs> <laughs> um so <laughs> no but um so so there's that but i think that's probably too hard how could they have created this parasite and known that it would have hit archer and not hit someone else so that's probably too much mm. but the i feel like they are hunting archer down that's why they told mm-hmm. that guy to follow the denobulin because mm-hmm. they knew that he was trying to find a way to cure Archer. Yeah, yeah to cure archer and mm-hmm. they don't want archer to be cured because they know that archer is the key mm-hmm. to defeating the zindi and so but they don't say it explicitly but as i'm watching i'm like there's just they are mm-hmm. way too interested in stopping this yeah. and why you know and it's not and, and it makes me think that's why they want to destroy all of humanity because they just want to make sure he's one of the ones they destroy you know and so they're just gonna keep mm. anyway i like it i like it yeah i had not thought about that that's really interesting because like that is i guess if there's one thing that maybe is a little bit harder to understand is why do the Zindi need to exterminate humanity rather than taking out just a few of them? And like, you know, why go through all these lengths to track down 6,000 humans? Yes. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I, if they do a retcon uh, a book or something, that that could be the book. Is like someone from yeah. the original timeline travels forward and... Uh, yeah. Anyway, because it just seems like you've destroyed the planet and you destroyed all the colonies. You know what? Just stop. Like just you don't stop. need those yeah. anymore. Like yeah. like you've, you've gotten enough. You leave oh, that permit alone. Yeah. I'm totally gonna reference something that we talked about earlier in the episode, but I just have to point out what a dick move it was on Saval's part to be like the humans did this to themselves. You know, oh, like, yeah. the reason. Well, I'm like, yeah. oh god. my god, what is your problem? So, so let, let me ask about this because, you know, yet again, maybe this is explained somewhere mm-hmm. else, but I, I'm just curious how the Vulcans fit into this mm-hmm. whole picture. And are, are they just kind of like sitting this one out? They're just letting humanity like get destroyed? Is, is that what we're supposed to believe? Like they're going to do that? So there's a bunch of stuff from season four that we can't share with you. Yeah. Okay. But there's there's reasons. Let's just put it. All right. All right. One of the things that I think I I I I dislike about 
the Vulcans, not because I dislike the Vulcans, because I actually really like them, but what I think is either the writing of the Vulcans or like a, a really serious, you know, uncanny valley between what they think they're actually standing for and what they are standing for. Like, I don't really know what the whole, because it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you're being so logical. And I'm like, I think her argument is actually incredibly logical. Like, there's a direct line between what you did and the consequences for what you right. did. So mm -hmm. like, is it because she's questioning your judgment that all of a sudden it's illogical? And they, I don't think Vulcan, like Vulcan logic is ever really put on the stand the way that like, you know, yeah. Q puts humanity on the stand with, mm -hmm. with Picard. Like if you really examine Vulcan logic, is it just that it's narratively convenient to have something that people are like, <laughs> I fucking hate that. That's a fucking terrible argument. I hate it emotionally. That doesn't make sense. Or is Vulcan logic actual bullshit <laughs> that is like i'm just going to use it to validate all of my decisions and disagree with you because you have a point that i don't want to acknowledge like what is happening you know if if facts and logic were the cure to life ben shapiro would be the person that we all took our political cues from so i i would suggest that i think you're on to something which is that the vulcans I think there is that sense. There's always that thing of like, they claim not to have emotions, but they yeah. actually do. And they right. just suppress them. I yes. think it's the same way with logic. I think you can, mm -hmm. you can have different logical conclusions from the same set of right. facts. And logic doesn't uh, dictate I'm, one result, you know, right. That that's right. And, right. and, and I think, I mean, this is the thing that pissed people off on enterprise came on. And I, I have to agree. I mean, the enterprise Vulcans are not, the Vulcans of other TV shows, right? Mm -hmm. right. And I, I think for a long time, I was frustrated by that. And I think this is, again, something about Enterprise. In season four, they really do something cool with that. And mm -hmm. I, I like what they do and where they go. So okay. um, I would say for those of you who watch this episode and haven't watched the rest of Enterprise, do that. Because a lot of what we see about Vulcans, I mean, I don't think the writers maybe knew what they were doing. They were going to do season four and season one. So maybe <laughs> mm -hmm. they just needed a source of tension and the Vulcans serve that. But I think they take mm -hmm. it to a cool place. So let's just uh, cool. like it. put it there. But okay, so so all right. Um, we're in the final act. I don't know if you'll notice that there were little humans being sucked into space among all the debris when the bridge gets blown off. Like they actually had Whoa. models of humans. I, wow. Uh, so uh -huh. a little trip and a little... Little I, you know, I, I didn't notice that, but but I have to say mm -hmm. here, I, I was kind of like flabbergasted by this because I've always thought about this in Star Trek is like, why don't you just shoot the bridge? Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. that seems like the most obvious way to win any kind right. of starship Everybody battle. Is in and the like, bridge. I've never <laughs> seen any other ship target the bridge. It's like right there, front and center. Mm -hmm. It's an easy target, but mm -hmm. nobody does this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I thought that was just like such smart writing. And mm -hmm. I was so happy to see that. Totally. And and you and you, the Zindi would have learned right with their re repeated totally. uh, attacks. It is again just another. This whole I found the tragedy element of this mm -hmm. last act so cool. Like everybody dies, everybody right. dies. All the right. Archer takes two shots, where everyone else is like one shot, <laughs> ah, falling well, over the, the railing. Like Scott Bakula. Be... I mean. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you seen that man with his shirt off and his Vulcan bull cut? I mean. <laughs> like when he was like old he was just like my back it hurts but i'm still built for some reason it takes I don't a couple understand. of shots to get through those abs <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> muscle memory still working. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's great um 
It, it is. I mean, again, it's it's like I feel like the final scene is a little melodramatic where everyone's getting shot in sequence. But it's mm-hmm. I like that the solution isn't like six hours of therapy to get rid of the parasites. It's let's fucking blow up the ship. <laughs> so okay, so here's the, my actual quibble with this episode, and it's it's minor because I actually really enjoyed this episode. But if we're talking about uh-huh. like anything that's related to science, let's just talk about parasites for a hot second. Okay. Because okay. So basically the, the mechani- mechanism that Flux figures out to um, get the, to kill the parasites is more targeted than a subspace explosion, which is like the only, like, just blow them up. I'm just going to blow them up. And originally it makes sense that Flux would be like, okay, well, if we kill him, <laughs> that's not the point. And we're just trying to cure him and we're not, we're trying to move forward and we're not like thinking about like going back in time. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. You target the parasites. You don't kill the host because of emotional reasons. I completely get that. That's cool. Once they learn that the parasites will take back time, I add something to this whole thing. I completely get it. But why would killing the host of the parasites in a gigantic explosion reset anything because you killed the host and the, so the parasites are working on the, it doesn't actually make sense in terms of like parasitic host relationships. It's, it's kind of stupid. I'm not against it, it, but it's kind of stupid because realistically, like, then if you kill the host, the parasites just undo everything that they've done, they've worked on the, it doesn't, that doesn't really make sense to me. You do kill the parasites if you kill mm-hmm. the host, but that's it. Like the host just has to die. And ultimately Archer might've just been able to die. And then to, like, it's just like the only thing that they, that the Flox's people, the Genomian people know is an explosion would cure it. I'm going to headcanon it. What? Okay, so do it. They Val- validate it for me. A, a subspace implosion, I think, oh, is actually what they say. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think there's something, like, there was something very specific that they had to do. They couldn't just blow up the damn ship, right? Okay. Like, right. they had very specific things that they had to do to create a certain type of explosion, and that was what was going to destroy okay. the parasites. Okay. So I don't know that that necessarily means the parasites would have been destroyed before Archer died. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it could be that that it, it right. explodes. You know, the parasites are affected by that because it was a subspace implosion, and then mm-hmm. ultimately everyone dies. But you know, at least it kills the parasites first, and then Archer dies. But it doesn't matter because now they're gone in the past. Yeah, I, yeah. I just like the, the the act of killing Archer. Like, even like, while it made sense that they didn't choose to do that earlier because like they want him to live and to like you know be able to form new memories and whatever because they weren't thinking about taking back time. Once they're like, oh this will just correct time then it's like well does he have to if he die if he dies does that do what does that do for like the whole parasitic like time yeah. travel thing i had that question it doesn't ruin this the episode for me at all but i'm just like that's a little stupid i'm cool with well, being stupid the, the, but the, it's a little stupid i think i think that the key there is that you what if it doesn't work right mm-hmm. like then you just have a if you if the solution was kill the captain mm-hmm. then you've just killed the captain and, <laughs> right. a, and a captain who's adams or who's drew barrymore from 51st dates is better than no captain <laughs> you're, archer you're, you're at dead all. friends yeah fair i mean it's fair right. it's completely fair right. I just, so, like, so, so there's I that question. there's that that one point mm-hmm. and there's a throwaway piece of dialogue which i actually missed but i found on memory alpha which is that when flox is talking about the cure he says that the way to destroy the parasites, that he's found a way, but that others in the medical community have said that it would take a subspace explosion, mm-hmm. which is why he had to work 10 years to figure out a way to have the same effect without mm-hmm. right. the subspace yeah. explosion. Right. So yeah. it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but uh but that's that's the that's the way the episode put it together the um i think it's interesting that nobody remembers anything after it's all I was done. Gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, because this is my, this is my quibble about lots of time travel. And I, I don't wanna interrupt you, Notch, but like, if I was saying, like, I hate time travel episodes for one reason, it is this reason. Usually, mm. and so when I'm thinking about like Picard, right? Like, Picard is usually the one who remembers everything and everybody else forgets, and he's the one who carries the weight, sorry, carries the weight of all of the things that he remembers from the other thing, right? That happens a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Or you have this situation where everybody goes back in time, everything is reset, no one remembers anything. And so everything that everybody had to pay, which makes sense if you're talking about like the future, like, yeah, you haven't lived the future yet because you're in the present. Sure. But from a narrative standpoint, if you're trying to do something with this episode, it doesn't make any fucking sense for having to have people you know, nobody remember. Because ultimately, that means that nobody learns anything from this episode. And no one learns anything from the emotional struggle that they went through. And so like realistically, it sort of like leans into the episodic nature of this ep- of the show, even though it is more serialized, like no one learns or grows from what they had to go through and everything is just reset. And that sucks. Yeah. And so I was thinking like during this episode, because it does so many other things that I really like with tropes that I like and I, and I, and I, and I hate, I was like, maybe this is the one where everybody remembers what they had to pay to get to that point and then that changes something or affects something about the way that the crew works together and it fucking doesn't and he treats to paul as if she's a nurse and asks her to get a pillow from the drawer that's literally right next to his head and i just like it makes me so mad because there are so many different things you could do with people just being able to remember this thing while they also have like 50 more years or whatever of their lives that they could like now yeah they, you know it, 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 it bothers me and i get it from a time travel thing you can't have lived in the future if you're in the past or whatever you're present but like from a narrative standpoint it's bullshit <laughs> it's bullshit well i think i think while the characters don't learn anything about themselves i think for me it yes it's just an episodic show and so it's just meant to be like a and i think that there is some little bit of value in having one or two episode more episodic stories in this long season sure arc. but i think beyond that i for me and i i talked about this earlier when I talked about the first time I watched this episode it really helped me understand a little bit more about Tapal as a person mm-hmm. and who she like how she is it, I think at this point in, in the season we're still not like fully into the whole like Tapal transformation about like where she is because she starts off as this human skeptic and then as the mm-hmm. show moves ahead we learn more about her and she becomes more fleshed out she becomes more sympathetic so I think seeing that she has the like dedication and willingness to sacrifice everything for duty I think helped me understand a little bit more about her character and I think I took away a softer sense of who she was as a as a as a person going forward from this point so the characters may not learn anything and they may not pick up anything but I think as the viewer I do think we take things away from this in terms of who these people are I will say, I will say that I, I do understand that argument. And I will say that I, I also agree that like episodic episodes are fun and they're like, they do something for us. Yeah. You don't, and not everything has to be like the serious timeline and you know, the holodeck holo, holo episodes matter, even if they don't like matter long-term over narrative. Like I, I completely understand. I, I know, but rarely are we 
treated to that episode didn't matter at all technically to anybody on the ship you know what I mean like even like the Jordy episode of him making a space holodeck girlfriend and making out with her does have actually a long-term effect in the in the show like there there, there's a way to being able to go back to pass back to it because you don't erase anything like people still experience what they experience and like while I completely agree that I think this does a lot for Paul at the same time so much of her growth in this episode comes after Archer is hit by this beam and infected by this parasites and he she realizes all the things that he did for her and what he gave up to protect her and like well yeah there's other other stuff that's come apparently before this in season three so much of that growth happens because of what she realizes that Archer went through for her so what she's willing to go through for him and so like yeah she's still that kind of person like it's not doesn't take away the fact that she's that kind of person like I but like having that actually have no real impact on them long-term as characters takes away something fundamentally from the show. Cause they like the emotional weight of this episode is huge and important and it matters. Unlike a lot of other time travel episodes where like, it just got reset. It's cool, whatever. But so then the end for it to be like, well, we're back to the normal times timeline. Johnny like doesn't really match how important this episode feels to every single character. And so it took a lot of character growth from everyone you know what I mean? Including to Paul. I, I don't, I don't agree with the choice fundamentally. I think that, that's, that's, that's a fair opinion. I mean, I, while I disagree, I think that's, that's a completely like fair assessment. And I think, I think it's one of those things where if every episode was like this also, I would, I would certainly, which Voyager is much like that yes. where we don't have anything. And I have quibbled about the and same we told you thing about Harry Kim And how he doesn't be, he gets replaced right. and he's never. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so it's like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I completely see the, the, the annoyance of like seeing the things that you've just endured with the crew, mm-hmm. them not like mattering to the crew anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, your, your irritation with the end of this, this episode is something I shared. I was like, I get why the writers thought it would be funny and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the it nurse in- joke? The nurse joke. Yeah. Uh, fuck the nurse joke. Yeah, yeah I hated that. Right. <laughs> Especially because, really like, stupid. obviously, because I just remembered all of the pain that she went through, even if she didn't. I was like, you bitch. <laughs> he did everything for you. <laughs> right. It's like, bad. how about just having some, like, uh, ending the show on, like, a tender moment. Right. Of Which some they, sort. They kind of, it could have just been when she hands him the the pad or whatever so that he can watch the movie. You know, he went because right. like because you kind of show that she was listening to him and took what he was saying to heart, you know, knew that he mm-hmm. was really looking forward to having that time with the crew. And so she, you know, so it shows that there's this connection right. between them, but mm-hmm. then they have to go and screw it up with the or or even just the, the pillow part. Like, you know, I've been sick sometimes and I, you know, I need yeah. care. All of us yeah, do, right? Yeah. Like she, she puts yeah. the pillow and like before she goes, she walks away, she comes back and she puts the blanket over. Right. Just like, yeah. you know, just, just show a little like bit say, of like, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> You're a good exactly. friend. Like anything, yeah. but like, let me order you around one more time. And it's like, I know. Uh, yeah. I, uh. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what, folks, though? I filled up a shot of vodka over here because we didn't have a decom scene. Drink. <laughs> 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 also, did y'all notice we didn't get... Po- 
uh, an old Porthos. We didn't know old. No, old I, 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 yeah, we did notice no, we did that. Know, yeah. Yeah, Where's that the dog? Was, that was an oversight. We yeah. needed. Yeah, they talked Tupal about had to him. Explain to Archer. Yeah. What, what yeah. did they talk about? Well, they talked the about that por- he walked Porthos. Oh, right. Um, right, but, right, but, right, right. But we don't see Porthos. We saw Porthos like one time or whatever when the Vulc- after the Vulcans were there. I don't know. What did you think about the ending, Max? i thought it was i thought it was fine um i think the you know i i think sort of the um the pieces about the the writing that that folks are are quibbling about did not bother me mm-hmm. so much um i think the you know what stuck with me was was really kind of more the um sort of like the heroic last stand or sort of mm-hmm. this last ditch effort to to set the timeline straight and that is my my favorite way mm-hmm. to to end a time travel episode i think they should all end like that mm-hmm. uh it made me think of yesterday's enterprise for example where you know i kind of had to like fight to the finish to to restore the timeline to to the way that it had to be and you get to see your characters um you know really kind of living by their values and really mm-hmm. kind of being heroes in the way that um you want them to be and ultimately you get the you get the payoff of the timeline being mm-hmm. restored and i think i'm a sucker for you know that kind of classic um you know heroic tale but um when it's done well i i enjoy it mm-hmm. totally yeah I wonder how many of you picked up on the name of the planet Archer and Tapal were on. Steady Alpha 5, right? And why yeah. that's significant. I knew it sounded familiar, but now I know it's significant because oh, of what you put and in the nose gave but... it away. Tell like, put it put it into words, Notch. Put it into words. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I think it's very I mean, interesting. Yeah, it so this was supposed to be a little he, the mike sussman said that it was a cruel joke that the humans ended up on city alpha 5 because if you have watched the wrath of khan you will remember the captain terrell and chekov go down to city alpha 6 and down there but then bay but then bay <laughs> we have to get out of here and whatever he says and 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 then they realize they're actually on SETI Alpha 5 because SETI Alpha 6 exploded changing the orbit of SETI Alpha 5 turning it into an inhospitable world <gasps> where Khan, Nuni, and Singh and his people have been marooned so six, six months after Khan shows up on SETI Alpha 5 which is the same planet that Archer and Tapal are on mm-hmm. It becomes an inhospitable, crazy world. So if the humans had survived the Zindi attack, their their lives would have been destroyed anyway, just several years wow, down the line. Wow, not. That's cool. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, I, like I thought it. that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so like so, the consequences, uh, like even like if you were familiar with like the the universe enough to know the the name of the planet, then like you're like, oh, the stakes are really high. Like they really need to go back and unexplode Earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So <laughs> gonna go unexplode Earth, bitch. I love it. Incredible. It was, uh, yeah. You lie. On SETI Alpha 5, there was life. A fair trust. This is SETI Alpha 5. Oh, no. <laughs> Alpha, yeah. Are you, are you, so, uh, anyway. are you, are you leaning into your Khan Noonien saying? <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, I would make a more convincing Khan, I think, than Ricardo Montalban. You know, if you want <laughs> uh, to play Punjabi. Weird. Oh, so Punjabi, weird. Oh, don't, right. what? So, or, um, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I, yes. Hello. Yes, hello. Sure. I'm Khan Noonien Singh. Hello. <laughs> hello. I'm, I'm Punjab. <laughs> Someday we'll have to discuss that movie, which I did not like. But mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. 
about like I thought that movie that movie had the potential to be awesome Mm -hmm. and then they they just effed it it all up (laughs) but it was like there was the moment in the theater where I was like are they gonna do it are they gonna do it and they didn't do it they just went predictable and stupid so Mm -hmm. anyway hey so save it. save that take for when we do actually watch the movie because now I'm yeah. curious what it is. <laughs> but yeah. um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'll just leave you all with the, the the memory which I'm pretty sure happened in all your movie theaters as well when Spock shouts Khan and everyone just and bursts out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, this, it could have replaced uh, the, the the no in this episode. You'd be like Khan, and they'd be like, that doesn't make any sense with the timeline. I don't care, Khan. <laughs> I'm upset right now. And they're thinking about like um. Have you probably have seen the very a Harry Potter sequel, the uh, Harry Potter musical part two? But there's a, there's a moment where they they lampoon. Okay, I the, love um, that you have seen that. Enough to commit this moment to memory, which is like embarrassing. It's all on oh YouTube. It's been around for a while. Not anymore. There's a moment where they're lampooning the um, Prisoner of Azkaban movie, where Dan- they have like Daniel Radcliffe like look down the camera and yeah. be like, "I'm so angry!" Ah. And there's this moment where uh, Darren Criss just like freaks out. He just goes, "I'm in a rage." I've never felt angrier than I feel at this moment. And there was that moment with him, with a, uh, <laughs> with um, uh, uh, Archer, who's just like, I'm so sad. I've never been sadder. My heart, she is broken. And you're like, uh, you did it. You nailed it. <laughs> you're doing a great job, sweetie. <laughs> so all right well with that i think it's time for ratings which of you would like to stick your neck out and give twilight a rating i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten i really liked it there are some things that i quibble about some things that i did not love but like this is Mm -hmm. maybe the best amnesia episode i have (laughs) seen in a very and like okay i watch a lot of soapy shit so like I'm, I, my, 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 my taste for trash is very very uh, wide-ranging and intense so as you can tell like i love i've watched all of dawson's creek several times love <laughs> it um, i own them all on dvd <laughs> i know <laughs> and then i was like and i was like you know that, that whole series of whole, the whole episode the whole series of uh, of alias is all about uh, amnesia i've seen all of those things right so like i'm i've i've seen a lot of amnesia side plots that i think are really stupid and this is definitely the very best one that i think i've ever maybe seen that's committed to memory um and so then it's like what they do with the characters and what they do with the relationships. I think it's incredible. So the science-y, Y-N-C stuff aside, this is a great episode that I would definitely watch again. So eight out of 10 for me. I think uh, for me, I'm going to go 7.5 on this one. Um, I'm not going to factor in the theme song this time because I feel like it's going to get old if I do that for every episode of Enterprise. So that's <laughs> that is my, beat, my comprehensive rating, uh, 7.5. <laughs> Um, real quick aside that, that made me appreciate this episode more, um, as I mentioned uh, a few weeks back, I've been playing this, um, this computer game, Stellaris, mm-hmm. and I've been playing mm-hmm. with a Star Trek mod uh, that completely overhauls the game. And I started up a game as uh, United Earth, which later turns into the Federation. And mm-hmm. um, very early in the game, the first time I played, this sphere shows up at Earth and blows up Earth, and the game is over <laughs> within like 20 minutes of starting. And I was just like, what the hell just happened? So I started over and I kept my fleet at Earth to protect it. And now after seeing this episode, I understand what that comes from and where where the sphere comes from. So yeah, thanks a lot, Zindi, for uh, ruining huh. the first game of Stellaris. Um, That's really crazy. Yeah, right? it was it was kind of a, a crazy moment um, of realization watching this episode. So 
Uh, in terms in terms of the episode itself, though, I think this was a um, a really solid episode of Star Trek. Really solid time travel story. There are a lot of things I liked about it. Um, I think the setup, as we've talked about, was not as sort of um, bulletproof mm-hmm. uh, upon a little, uh, I guess, more reflection. Um, but you know, it doesn't really matter. I think this is still a very enjoyable episode to watch. So I would be happy to watch this one again. I'm going to give it a 4.5 um, because, Ooh. hey, it has me thinking about possibilities that they didn't even put in the episode, mm-hmm. whether or not Zindi had some out of 10, out of 5, 4.5 okay, out of 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have to keep, I know I should have done the 10 point scale like you all did, but I started out doing five point scale. So I'm keeping I'm it there. It. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I'm just wondering if someone was giving inside information to the Zindi. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's intriguing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they meant to put that in there or not, but, um, but it, I, and I just, I always liked this episode. The first time I watched it, I remember I just loved this episode so much. So, mm-hmm. um, and it does hold up to, to additional viewing. So totally. Yep. I'm going to go with a nine out of 10 as well. I feel like I, I haven't watched this in many years and it had the same impact that it did the last time. So I think it earned that uh, for me. I, th- I think this is an episode I could go back to. And if someone wanted to watch some more Enterprise, maybe it's one that I might show them uh, as well. Um, with that, it's time for us to pick the next episode that we watch. And I'm going to suggest, <laughs> you know, we have this list of episode nominations uh, for 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 this time travel series and there's a column that says mood and it says serious silly funny slash serious and there's one that says bad <laughs> bad oh, oh bad. yes assignment earth yes oh, that's, that's definitely an, an adam bowen rating right there it's just bad. <laughs> i love it so uh i'm wondering if you'll want to do the original series and do assignment earth um yes. if, yes. if we want to yeah okay sure uh, yeah. Yeah. So next yeah. do it next week dear listener please watch assignment earth from the original series which if it's you do not episode. know is <laughs> it's one episode and it's a backdoor pilot for a different tv show yes so. oh yes it's season two episode 26 from our notes uh it's i'm excited <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll enjoy ourselves so uh let's see you there or will we right so as as always, thank you, Dinah. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Emily, for being here. Every week we get a chance to talk Star Trek together, and I find it's one of my favorite moments of the week. Thank you, Notch. Thanks, Notch. Yeah, thank thank you. yeah, of course. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Adam, wherever y'all are. Hope y'all are having a great day. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. We always appreciate that you make time for us in your week. Thank you, Jishnu Gua, for recording our theme music. And thank you, Khan Union Singh. If it wasn't for Khan correcting Chekhov and which planet they were on, uh, we wouldn't know that SETI Alpha 5 was an inside reference. So really special thanks to Khan Union Singh because mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, he quotes a bunch of Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, it clarifies the plot for us. It's it's terrific. Uh, just would be yeah. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So all right, everybody, see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.